0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about prime time matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Napa how. keeping it simple is usually a good thing and when it comes to rewards programs keeping it simple is always a good thing that's why we made the napa rewards program effortless all you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need then we automatically give you five dollars off your next purchase for every hundred you spend so start saving today with napa rewards quality parts helpful people that's napa know how
1: napa know how Blog Talk Radio. And good evening everyone, this is Finsider Radio, and I am Matt Kanata, and I am joined by Houts and our resident soccer dad, Sutton, and it is great to have everyone back here for another edition of Finsider Radio, and even though the Dolphins are out of the playoffs, there is still plenty to talk about in terms of what they've been doing this offseason thus far, how they're moving forward, and I do have a little bit of inside information for all of you listeners out there in regards to the Dolphins scouting department. It's a small nugget, but it's an important nugget, and I'm not going to get into that until a little later in the show. So I'm going to make you listen for a little bit. I'm sorry. But that's what we do on radio, right, guys? Tease.
2: That's right. It's baby.
1: Yeah, so it's it's called a tease, and, and we're going to keep you here for a little bit, and you're going to be forced to listen to us, whatever we want to talk about. And we had the conference championship games this past weekend, and they were pretty much done. Was a little bit surprising. Uh, we'll get into that a little later. We're going to kick things off with the Dolphins, though, and Miami and Houts has an absolute man crush on Dante Hightower, and would absolutely love Dante Hightower in a Miami Dolphins uniform. There's a slight problem, though, with all of that. Jamie Collins, who was traded to the Cleveland Browns for a third-round pick in the middle of the season, just signed a brand spanking new contract yesterday. And it is a four-year contract. It is worth $50 million. That is right. Five, zero, 50 million, four years, 26 million guaranteed. That's a lot of, that's half almost, that's more than half the contract. And you can obviously uh, see how well I do a math because I was able to figure that out very quickly on the top of my head. But 26000000 million. You're a bright boy. guy, Matt. You're Listen,
3: smart, dude.
1: I don't make the money I make for nothing, right, boys? All right, so. <laughs> it's true. So, I mean, he's an inside linebacker, right? Jamie Collins is a good ball player. Don't get me wrong here. But Dante Hightower is better. So was Melvin Ingram. But now the market is set. The floor has been set. $50 million, $26 million guaranteed in just a four-year deal. If you average that out, and I am sure the contract is backloaded and we haven't still gotten all the details, a 50 million divided by four, and here's some more math for you that's $12.5 million per year. That's a lot of money. Are right the again. Dolphins willing, <laughs> are the Dolphins willing to pay that much for Dante Hightower? Houts, tell us why the Dolphins should pay that much for Dante Hightower.
4: See, and I just want to say, I mean, the money, that's a lot of money, and I'm not sure that the Dolphins or even I would be willing to pay that much money. But as far as Dante Hightower, I don't think there's – probably there might, there might only be one or two linebackers in the league that are as he is at both stopping the run and against the pass. I mean, I think he's one of the best uh, pass-rushing inside linebackers in the league. And I, I just think that if you brought him in, I mean, he would immediately start at middle linebacker. He'd be able to move Kiko outside to his natural spot. And I think just having that guy in the middle of the field, I, they say he's the quarterback on the defense. And, I mean, having him in there, I mean, you get Rashad Jones back, I feel like the defense would instantly improve. And I think that he's the kind of playmaker that the team needs. Uh, he would improve that 30th-ranked run defense from last season. And, I mean, we struggled the last several years against tight ends. So, I mean, to be able to have Dante Hightower in there as as a playmaker, I mean, it's $12.5 and a year, $50 million over four. I mean, that's huge money. I don't know if the Dolphins are willing to pay that. I don't know if they should pay that, but I mean, you you get one of the best linebackers in the league. He's turned 27 in March and you take him away from the Patriots. So, I mean, if it were me, it's not my money. It's easy to say I would sign Dante Hightower, but I mean, if the Dolphins don't do it, I completely understand.
1: Yeah. So let's give a, let's take a little quick look at Dante Hightower before we get to you, Sutton, and your thoughts about Hightower. He does have an injury history. So when you're talking about guaranteed money, that's going to be a sticking point when it comes to negotiations. Obviously you're going to be taking a risk kind of guy, who has had uh, quite a few injuries. He's been active for 71 of 80 possible regular season games in his career, but he has been active all 16 games in a season only once in 2013. Now, that is a concern to me because the Dolphins are trying to move on from linebackers who haven't played a full season in many years. That includes Kouamisi and Delaney Jenkins. But, like how it said, he is a physical specimen. He was picked in the first round of the two thousand and twelve NFL draft six three two hundred sixty five pounds That combination of size and speed it's extremely rare in an age where many teams are seeking out you know guys who are a little bit leaner than that, who are more capable of, of staying on the field when it comes to coverage. According to patspulpit.com, part of SB Nation Network, in 13 regular season games in which he was active in 2016, Hightower was on the field for 86.3% of the team's defensive snaps. That's a high number, but when you really break it down, do you want your probably in this case second highest paid player on defense because you have an and Sue on the Dolphins Missing just about 14% of your snaps? That is a question worth considering. Now, PFF ranks him one of the top 10 free agents coming out in just a short while. But remember, the Patriots can franchise tag him. He had an overall PFF grade of 88.6. He is tremendous against the run. He is tremendous when he drops back in coverage. And he is tremendous when he rushes the passer. 0.56 0.56 yards per coverage snap was the second lowest for a 4-3 outside linebacker. His 17.4 pass rushing productivity was the third best for a 4 3 outside linebacker with at least 40 pass rushes. To date this season, in five seasons, he's made a total of 15,479,877. He's going to make that in one year, wherever he ends up now do the Patriots franchise him. I don't think so because they just got rid of a guy named Jamie Collins and they're still leading the league in defense in terms of different stats. Now for you Sutton, after hearing all that, after hearing Houts, would you pull the trigger on a guy like Dante Hightower?
3: Yes. Um, That's the short answer.
1: All right, moving on.
3: I, I think you have to. What did you say? I
1: said moving on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and skip me. Um, <laughs> no, just to, you know, delve into the details just a little bit more. I think, and how it's alluded to this, we're signing somebody away from the Patriots, but we're we're getting key information too in that same light. So. We'd be getting key information and taking somebody away from the Patriots defense, but you have to also look at the fact that if we can put him at middle linebacker, which I assume we would do, that moves Kiko Alonso to the weak side linebacker, so we're actually improving two positions with one move, so I think that's an efficient move, so what it really boils down to is what you said, MC Money, and that's the injury history. And, uh, uh, and that's something that this regime last year certainly was willing to take a gamble on. So I think as medically he checks out, I think that obviously works in, in the Dolphins' favor. But in the back of my mind, you know, the, the Patriots did just lose Jamie Collins, so that might actually heighten the mm-hmm. fact that they need to keep Dante Hightower. Um, I'm just thinking of recent history of them not showing much love to linebackers, actually cycling through them fairly rapidly after, you know, having Teddy Bruschi and Mike Rabel there for several years. But after that, it seems like they've gone through and churned the linebacker um, position. So it's it's interesting to see if, from their perspective, if they're going to keep him or not. And then if he does become available, Uh, what kind of offer that we may or may not make. But if I'm the general manager, I have to strongly consider a move like that because that gives us way more flexibility in the draft. We can't go into the draft needing two linebackers and two defensive ends. I mean, that just pigeonholes us. And that, I think that's the type of recipe for a draft disaster. So, We need to be able to patch some of these holes, and and Hightower does multiple. You know,
1: he patches multiple holes with one move. You're right, and those are all very valid points. And the Dolphins will need to make that decision and figure out what they're going to do with that. Now, there's another guy on the market named Melvin Ingram, and there's a lot of debate about him, mainly because when people look at Melvin Ingram, he was a 3-4 backer in San Diego. Remember, though, he came to South Carolina as an inside linebacker when he went to college. And in South Carolina, he played in various positions across the front seven. So he's a very versatile player. When he was coming into the NFL back at the scouting combine, he was labeled by NFL.com as one of the most athletically gifted prospects in that year's class. And when he was a 4 3 in South Carolina, even then, people said he would go into a 3-4 and be able to fit in as an outside linebacker. So when people talk about Melvin Ingram coming to Miami, the question automatically becomes, well, what position will he play? Will he play outside linebacker? Would he play inside linebacker? Which, you know, Kiko Alonso was an outside linebacker, really, in theory, right? But they moved him to the middle, so they're not afraid to try. And then, uh, or will he be defensive end? And the dolphins need both. His weaknesses for Melvin Ingram. Uh, you know, he he's not he's six one, he's two hundred and sixty-four pounds. So when you start talking about playing inside linebacker, well, Dante Hightower is very similar to that. So it's you know, he has short arms though. So when you talk about defensive end, you really kinda look at that and think, well, maybe he really can't, because that's gonna make it tough for him to eliminate double teams, and then trying to get around the edge on the, on the outside, which makes him a more prototypical linebacker. Last season, he ranked 18th at his position, according to PFF, with an 84.2 overall grade. In 2016, this past season, he ranked 8th. Remember, he was playing in a 3-4 system, though. In that 3-4 system, he has a pass rushing productivity score of 10.7, and his 39 total pressures ranks 5th. His ability to defend the run is very well, and his ability to drop in coverage is very good as well. His 76.0 coverage grade ranks third among edge defenders, and we had talked about Jamie Collins. He was better than Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram is a young player in his prime, but just like Dante Hightower, he has injury concerns. And where are those injury concerns? Well, after being drafted in the first round in 2012, and he has, since then, in 2013, he tore his ACL in his left knee during early offseason season practice. He also hurt a knee and then a hip. And then he finally got healthy this past season. Now, coincidence in a contract year? Who knows? But the fact remains that Melvin Ingram could be a good possibility, but the really big debate is where does he play in Miami? And that's defensive end or linebacker. So, Houts, I'm going to come back to you. Where do you think Melvin Ingram could play? And do you think the Dolphins would pursue somebody like him? Just a quick note, he did play 16 games in 2015 and 2016 after playing nine in 2014 and only four in 2013 when he, when he got hurt. So, Houts, what do you think?
4: Uh, for, for me, I know you mentioned his short arms and his inability maybe to get off of those uh, blocks and to then turn the corner and get to the quarterback. So, I mean, for me, after thinking things through, I think he probably fit better as an outside linebacker. I know that's what we're doing with San Diego. I know they like to move him around. I, I think, like you said, he's very versatile. So, I think uh, it won't be crazy to see him play and then move around the inside linebacker, outside linebacker, just move all over the defense. But I think uh, – I think ideally the Dolphins might want to use him as an outside linebacker if they were to pursue him. But, again, I think if you're going to pay either of them money, I think you would almost want to go with the middle linebacker in Dante Hightower, but that's a debate for another
1: another podcast. Right, how about you?
3: That's an interesting question, and I think if we're going to sign him in free agency, I think we need to sign him as a defensive end. I think that's the investment worth going for. The If we did play him, I feel like he would play strong side linebacker with us, and just the way the NFL is evolving and how many nickel coverages are out there on um, a vast majority of plays now, it seems like. I don't know that we would get our money's worth if we played him as a linebacker and signed him as such. So I think we would need to sign him as a defensive end and expect pass rushing results and see how we go there. Obviously that would be more costly because uh, defensive ends, just by the very nature of the NFL, get paid more. So we would be paying more for him. But I think that's the investment that we'd be looking to make. I don't know that we would want to pay above average salary for a strong side linebacker that um, isn't going to be on the field as much as we would want them to.
1: Right. And he would of course, if they want to pay big money, I think you have to move him inside because ideally the Dolphins have been talking about, moving uh, Kiko outside, and that's ultimately what they like to do. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. There are a few other linebackers on the market. It's not just limited to these guys, um, but we'll see. Those are the top two guys, and really we don't have a ton of time to really talk about the other guys here. That will be for another episode. But So that's the two names to really keep an eye out because they, along with Jamie Collins, will set the market for the linebacker. And, just real, and, to-
3: and real quick, and real quick, and yeah. some money, Zach Brown from Buffalo, that's yes. another
1: name to consider. He would be my third guy. My concern about him is he had a good year, his only really good year in a contract year. So you look at right. you know, history like Dan- Daniel Ellerby, where he had that really good year in his contract year, came to Miami was absolutely terrible and hasn't really been an impact since then. So there's always that when a guy's in his contract year, you're really thinking, Well, what's he really motivated by? The money or is things kind of finally clicking for him? So but he'd be my third linebacker on my list. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but one guy that's going to be tasked with turning this group around after being uh, kind of bad last season is Frank Bush. And the Dolphins have hired Frank Bush as their linebackers coach and assistant head coach. So Frank Bush, filling in the role for Matt. What? Yeah, <laughs> Frank Bush, Rod. Uh, <laughs> Frank, Frank I, Bush, just
3: had, I had to say Rod after you said Bush. Like, I couldn't help and, myself. He said, completely... It was like three times in a five-second span, and I just – I, I kept it to myself the first two times, and I just couldn't help it the third time, so
1: I'm sorry. I can just picture you sitting in your van right now just doing this podcast while you're sitting in your captain's dude. seat in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, is that true right yeah, now? I'm Are you just, drinking a beer in the back I'll, seat? garage. I'm in there just
3: you're just chilling in the Odyssey right now. Man, I got velvet all over this thing, baby. It's delicious in here.
1: So, if you guys ever saw Sutton, and I know we're going completely off track here, but I blame Sutton for it. Uh, How saw Sutton? I (laughs) I think Sutton looks a little like Colin Kaepernick. Um, Maybe that's just me, but I met Sutton in Cleveland at some random bar, and it was like, dude, we do a podcast together. Just come and meet me. So, Sutton could have been a serial killer for all I know. He could have been, you know, he could have robbed me, led me into an alley, and beat the crap out of me. Luckily, he didn't. He was very nice to me. Um, but you look at a guy like Well, Sutton. you don't know
3: what happened after you blacked out that night. So.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll just keep that between me and all your friends. <laughs> all right. We're not going to go there right now. We'll have a special episode nah, just for I that. I guess not. All right. Uh, but when you look at Sutton, he is the last person you would expect to drive a minivan. Am I right, Houts?
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you did say about Colin Kaepernick. I'd like to say it kind of looks like it on Kaepernick and Shaggy from Scooby-Doo had, a, a like, a love child. Like, <laughs> exactly the picture Sutton has.
3: Yeah. So so if a, you very can... politi- a very politically active stoner.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So all okay. I can gotcha. picture, I can picture Sutton driving one of those beat-up vans, you know, with the, with the tinted windows and just going around throwing candy at kids while he's driving by. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brian, Brian, I wouldn't quite it. go
3: that far. I Brian, have enough kids of my own. I don't need to really go out to public to do that kind of stuff. It's,
1: did your wife have the kids yet?
3: No. Uh, due no? date's March 10th, so it's, oh, it's that's coming right. up yeah, soon. Congrats. And just way. in case the whole world doesn't know, I'm about to have four children under the age of four, hence all the yeah. soccer dad.
1: Um yep. all, so all, the, all that kind of talk. Soccer dad. Uh, Mike Hawk. <laughs> But I kinda stop,
3: like it. I like it. I like being called soccer dad. Does that make me weird? I like yeah, being soccer dad.
1: It makes you very weird. A little bit, yeah. So Alpha dot com. So so Alpha <laughs> Alpha here on a live thread told me to say something and I said it and I didn't realize how it would come out. Um so thank you, Alpha. Yeah, we're not gonna do that again. Mike Hawk. <laughs> wow, that sounds really bad. You know, when I was in high school when we used to see that substitutes, we would write these names down on our on the attendance list. And one time it was a substitute that we knew we could take advantage of. And we wrote tons of hilarious names. And uh, Ben Dover, you get it, Ben Dover. Timber. Uh, I forget what else we wrote, but it was really Did you do Mike Cock? <laughs> yes, we did that. We did that as well. Uh, and he didn't realize it. He he read. Ideas did you do like Seymour Butts? No, Seymour Butts. I never heard of that one before. He, but we before. did like four of them, and he didn't get it until like the last one, when the entire class just started dying laughing. And of course, I got in trouble because you know I always had to be the class clown in high school. Uh, but yeah, that's just a story. Thanks, Alpha. All right. Uh, so Frank Bush, can we get back on original subject that we started about eight minutes ago? Brad. Frank Bush was hired to replace Matt Burke after as a defensive coordinator. All right, children, we've got to calm down here. He spent the last four years as a linebackers coach for the uh, Rams, St. Louis slash Los Angeles, and has been an NFL assistant since the Oilers named him to the same position in 1992. He also spent time as a Texans defensive coordinator during a career that's also featured stops with the Broncos, Cardinals, and Titans. Like I said, Bush has been named an assistant head coach and Darren Rizzi has been promoted to associate head coach. The difference associate is a step under head coach assistants, more of a step back under associate. The associate is more involved in the major details of the organization where the assistant coach will handle the kind of minuscule and minute details of the day-to-day operations. Chris Cooper has been promoted from offensive quality control coach to assistant offensive line coach. So, Congrats to him. Now, just a, some context with Frank Bush. Let's just look at 2013 to 2016 with the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. In t- 2013, he had linebackers Alec Ogletree, James Laurinaitis, Tremaine Johnson, uh, Jolan Dunbar, Will Witherspoon, guys like that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll off some stats, guys, and it's very interesting Alec Ogletree, James Laurinaitis, both of the team with tackles. Ogletree 95, Laurinaitis 85. Tremaine Johnson also in the linebacker position slash cornerback uh, cornerback position at times. He had 58 uh, fourth on the team. Not a ton of sacks for Laurinaitis and Ogletree. Ogletree had one and a half and Laurinaitis had three and a half. But the fact is they both of the team in tackles. Let's go to 2014. Again, Ogletree and Laurinaitis leading the team with tackles. Ogletree with 84, Laurinaitis with 81. Again, not a ton of sacks. Ogletree with none, Laurinaitis with three and a half. The next linebacker, EJ Gaines, played a little bit of combo there, but really the main linebacker there, Tremaine Johnson and Jolon Dunbar, ranked about 10th or 12th on the team. Let's move to 2015. Mike, Mark Barron, who played a little bit of linebacker as well, and James Laurinaitis, Tremaine Johnson, they all of the team in tackles. Barron with 76, Laurinaitis with 61, Trumaine with 58. One sack for Barron, one sack for Laurinaitis, no sacks for uh, Trumaine. 2016 is past year. Again, Alec Ovaltree and Mark Barron leading the way with tackles. 98 tackles for Ovaltree, Barron for 90, one sack for Barron. So for me, it's looking at the most recent history of a team. This tells me, and I know the Rams ran a 3-4 front, but this tells me that the linebackers for the dolphins may not be too involved in blitzing, but more so staying back and containing the run and dropping back in coverage more often than not. Am I interpreting it wrong Houts, or are you seeing the same interpretation based off what I just read off?
4: I think based on what you said, I'm getting the same feeling. I mean, it sounds like he's developed some decent players and it sounds like, like you said, they're not doing much blitzing. They're staying back in their, their areas and just containing and keeping everything in front of them. And I think, uh, as far as the current linebacking group, I think that's definitely something that um, the Dolphins should do next season. But, I mean, we all hope that they upgrade the linebacking core. But but I do agree. I think that maybe they're taking a little bit uh, away from those guys and letting them just stick to the basics and kind of try not to do too much and, and not too little.
1: <clears throat> How about you, Side?
4: I'm actually going to
3: disagree with you two. I think
1: well, go to hell. goodbye dis-
3: I know, yeah. Go ahead and cut me off dick. No. <laughs> um I, I think the Rams defensive scheme has been built around the defensive line just like ours has and relying on uh the pressure of the front four and the Rams defensive line has been incredible over the last couple of years. So they've been afforded that opportunity. You know, they've had Robert Robert Quinn when um he was at the top of his game. Of course they have Aaron Donald who's gonna be a consistent all-pro in this league, it seems like, and, they, you know, Michael Brockers. So they, they've had a consistent um, upper echelon defensive line over the last couple of years. So I don't think they've needed their linebackers to blitz that much and do all that much other than make tackles. But what puts them in a hole is their offense always consistently sucks. So it's kind of hard to separate, you know, the stats from what the dis- – the defense is capable of if they actually had a legitimate offense on the other side of that. But, but anyway, I, I think uh, the interesting work that Frank Bush did was with Mark Barron, who came out of college yeah. as a safety and he's one of those mm-hmm. first hybrid, you know, safety linebacker type mold. So I think that's interesting considering we have Rashad Jones, who's already one of the best in the business to see if he could even, get another level out of Rashad Jones in that aspect or, you know, any draft prospect that we might get.
1: Very good point about converting Mark Barron from safety to linebacker. And that could be a possibility for the Dolphins. I know people have talked about Rashad Jones week down to the linebacker position. I don't know if it will be possible, but it is something to keep an eye on given Frank Bush's history with Mark Barron with the Rams. All right, we're going to uh, move on from that, but it is certainly something to watch as the Dolphins go through the Senior Bowl this week in the scouting process and moving into free agency. We're going to bring in a longtime caller who has not been on the show for a little while, and that is our buddy Chris, a.k.a. Dolphins fan for life. Chris, welcome back to FinSider Radio. What do you got for us?
2: Um, I wanted to touch a little bit on the Melvin Ingram thing a little okay. bit because I know there's a mutual interest between yeah. his party and the Dolphins. Yeah. Um. First and foremost, I, in response to where I think he would play, I would think they would do with him like they technically were going to do with Deion Jordan, mm-hmm. um, move him around, you know, not give him a set position, but you could see him listed as an outside line.
1: Yeah, no, I com- I completely I see your point where you're coming with that. And I think I'm going to give this one to Houts because he has been following the linebacker uh talk in free agency and such. So Houts, what do you think in terms of you know what what Melvin Ingram can be with the Deion Jordan type piece?
4: Yeah, I think that's what I touched on a little bit earlier. I mean, like Sutton said he he believes that he'd be better suited as a defensive end and I I think it's a little bit up in the air, whether or not he would spit as an outside linebacker or an inside linebacker. And, I mean, when we brought Dion Jordan in, he was supposed to be that joker, that guy that roamed around, that we utilized with his hand up, his hand down, dropped back in coverage to do all that. So, I mean, I, I do think that if the Dolphins bring in Melvin Ingram, that would be the kind of role that they must see for him. But, uh, I mean, time will tell. Anyone knows, No one really knows what the Dolphins uh, are planning to do with, with Ingram if they were to bring him in. But I, I do agree. I do think if they do get him, defensive end, inside linebacker, outside linebacker.
1: I think he used him at the chess piece and to attack opposing quarterbacks. All right. Uh, is this Christoph again? Christoph, are you still here?
2: Yeah. Um, I apparently got cut off. I think my phone okay. dropped to call. I think so. So did um, you hear the I...
1: answer about Melvin Ingram?
2: Yes. But I okay. did have one more question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, regarding Mike Pouncey. Yeah. What do we do with him? Hip injury. Great question. Three times in two years. He yeah. says it's not going to be a problem. He's yeah. scheduled to make $10 million this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, if we cut him outright or trade him, he's $5 million against the cap. Right. But if we mark him as a June 1st cut like we did with L- not LRB but Wheeler and um, – mm-hmm. A couple other players. I mean, I think we did that with the, the amount, amount of games. Maybe. Yeah. The amount of games that we play with him, I mean, five games. He made, what was it, eight, nine million last year for five games?
1: He and, made ten million. I
2: mean, yeah. What do we do with him? And, um,. Why are so many people so down on bringing Jamon Bushrod back? If we get rid of Thompson, we need to bring Bushrod back.
3: All right.
2: Yeah, And I get to
3: keep my sense of humor alive, too, if Bushrod sticks around. I mean, I I know we've we've been lucky enough to hire Bush, um, but there's still no Rod there. I mean, we need the Rod there. So if we can keep Bush and Bushrod we're looking at a successful
1: off season, in my opinion. <laughs> all right, let me take this question. Uh, first of all, Chris, thank you for calling. Uh, we hope you're enjoying whatever you're you're doing at, at home. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, you can see through the fog. Anyways, uh, so Mike you know, Pouncey, th- he has the third highest contract of sixty centers in the National Football League, which is absolutely mind-boggling. Like you mentioned, Chris, if you cut him before June first, five million in dead money, three point nine seven. And in a cap savings. So it's almost a wash. You cut him post post June 1st, 3 million in dead money, but 6 million in cap savings. I'm not really sure the dolphins are going to cut him. He is decent depth on the line, but when you talk about a center, you want that guy playing pretty much 16 games a season. Am I right? I mean, this is a guy, the center who needs to have consistency and, and cohesiveness with the quarterback. And it's the most important position on the offensive line. You can't rely on a guy who is always constantly injured. And you talk about moving him to guard, that's a possibility, but he was kind of a disaster when he played guard last time. I'm under the impression that you could move Pouncy to guard and with a whole offseason of training, he'd be better than he was before instead of being thrown into the fire. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I still think they have a good chance to maybe put him to guard. I think that's what I would do. I know there are a lot of people against that who didn't like what they saw, and I agree I didn't like what I saw either. But again, a whole offseason of training just to be a guard – I think can do Mike Conley wonders in terms of that hip and really not bending down so low all the time and then snapping back up to, to take on the defender and we'll watch the situation as we go forward I'm not going to spend any more time on this but you know we'll see how it goes but it's a really tough decision because of how much he makes and just how good he can be when he is healthy but it seems like that is all the things that happen around the NFL you always look at when a guy is healthy. All right. I don't think we have any questions on live, but I'm going to take one question on Twitter from Rob Carruth. We're going to touch very quickly on a senior bowl. Then we wrap up the show. So Rob Carruth asks very unlikely scenario. And actually we're not going to do that draft. Rob, I want you to send me that question uh, when we get closer to, to free agency. So, Rob will ask, can you see any defenders showing big improvement with Burke taking over as defensive coordinator? And I'm going to throw that one to you. What do you think? Wait, could you repeat
3: the question for me?
1: Yeah, uh, get out of your van and pay attention. So, can you see any defenders showing big improvement with Burke taking over as defensive coordinator?
3: Man, I was hoping it was going to be Neville Hewitt this year because he had his opportunity with Jelani Jenkins out. I was really hoping that he was going to step up and man that weak side linebacker spot. But I'm going to have to go with I'm going to have to go with Jordan Phillips. Um, all right, just because. All right. Say that again.
1: No, I said all right.
3: Yeah, like I, I just I just think he's a big dude that hasn't learned how to use his body correctly yet, and I think he's finally going to get leverage. And I think defensive tackles certainly still have a lot to learn. It's there's more than just pushing involved. So I think uh, coming into his third year with us, I think he's going to be able to use his body a little bit better and ho- hopefully shore up that interior defensive line. You wouldn't think that's a problem with Sue, but thirtieth run defensive. I mean, we got to do something. So I'm looking for Jordan Phillips to step up.
1: All right. Thanks, Bob. Of course, always for sending in your questions. We greatly appreciate it. All right. Senior bowl real quick, before we wrap it up, the senior bowl game is on the 28th, which is this coming Saturday. Dolphins scouting contingent is there. And I said, I had a little nugget for you. It wasn't much, but it was very uh, big picture and it was on Twitter this week. And I can't remember where I saw it. But reports are the Dolphins scouting department is very aggressive this time around. Very on top of things, looking at guys very closely. uh, This person told me it reminded them of the Patriots scouting department and the Ravens scouting department in terms of how much on top of things they are. And credit Chris Greer for that. Credit Adam Gase. Credit Mike Tannenbaum for really turning things around. And when you talk about the Senior Bowl, recent years they drafted 2016 Senior Bowl participant Kenyan Drake, in 2015 Tony Lippett and Jamil Douglas, of course, the year before, and he's not cut. This year, Ben Boulware, uh Clemson, and OJ Howard are playing in the Senior Bowl, and OJ Howard is a very interesting prospect that we will touch on as the draft gets closer. Guard from the University of Miami. Danny Isodora, cornerback Corn Elder, safety Rashawn Jenkins, and punter Justin Vogel from Miami. So we'll see how this shakes out. This is just another process of the scouting. But that nugget I wanted to share with you privately. I was told that they reminded of the Ravens and Patriots. Publicly, it said that they're being very aggressive. Privately, I was told that it looks like an entire new scouting department here in Miami, which is a breath of fresh air. Sutton, our house, did you want to touch on that at all in terms of what's going to be coming up at Senior Bowl? Who are you guys going to be watching out for? Uh, Any prospects that you want to see perform well?
3: Uh, Just first of all, just great feedback to know that we're modeling our scouting department after two perennial top-class draft maneuverers and evaluators. Uh, to model ourselves after that kind of of mold, there that's that's great feedback to have. In terms of specific college prospects, I'll defer to Houts because he does way more research than I do. Um, but I just hope that we we get some top defensive talent uh, with that first round pick and that and and free agency. And I know it's it's very alluring to go straight to the draft, but free agency does come first. So I'm just hoping that we're, we're able to plug enough holes and feel secure enough where we have some flexibility in the draft and that, you know, like I said earlier in the show, I don't want to go into the draft hold in the drafting certain positions. I want to have some flexibility to move around the board and be able to get the best players that
4: are going to make the Dolphins the best team that we can have.
1: How does any feedback on the senior bowl?
4: Uh, Yeah, you touched on Ben Ballware, uh, O.J. Howard, a huge tight end that would uh, open things up for Gase's offense. Another name to look out for, uh, Western Kentucky offensive lineman, Forrest Lamp. He's a versatile offensive lineman that could probably best suit it as a guard. So, I mean, he could definitely help this team. Uh, But, yeah, I'm just excited to watch those players play.
1: All right. Senior Bowl this coming Saturday. Uh, Check it out. Look at some prospects. Again, remember, the Dolphins and any other team aren't changing their board dramatically at this point. This is all information they're going to use to confirm their uh, information or to take a second look at their information if they see something they maybe weren't expecting. Pro Bowl is on Sunday. Skills Challenge is on Thursday night. The Pro Bowl is the Pro, Pro Bowl, guys. The Dolphins have a few participants. Guys like JHI, Jarvis Landry, and Dominick and Sue pulled out of it. Cameron Wake is playing. Um... So, yeah, enjoy the Pro Bowl. It's a fun game. See the young guys play for the Dolphins. See the young guys play throughout the league. We're not going to spend much time on the Pro Bowl at all. And then the Super Bowl, of course, Falcons versus Packers. And we're going to save that discussion for next week because we're running out of time here. But did I say the Falcons versus Packers? It's the Falcons versus the Patriots. See I, wish, I wish
3: that was the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: yeah, I hate <laughs> it would be great. so much that I don't want to say their name. So we'll talk about that next week. But uh, I, lo- I love
3: that your unconscious didn't allow you to say yeah. that name. That I was totally like the most beautiful thing I've heard in a long time.
1: I've totally blocked it out. So we talked about Dante <laughs> Hightower. We talked about Melvin Ingram. We talked about Frank Bush I'm waiting for Run. a sign. There we go. All right. We talked about the senior bowl a little bit. We touched on that. We talked about the scouting department, how it's being completely like a new breath of fresh air. And, and we're going to talk about, the Super Bowl next weekend, we're going to talk about Kenny Stills next week and the wide receiver position, how the Dolphins should approach that not only this year, but moving forward. And again, I do have some inside information for you on the wide receiver position and how the Dolphins want to structure that as we move ahead. But to find that out, you're going to have to listen in next week on FinCider Radio, Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But for now, I am Matt Canada. I was joined by House and Sutton here on Fringsider Radio. We hope you enjoy the show. Enjoy the Pro Bowl. Enjoy the Senior Bowl. And we'll see you next week.
0: Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.